0: This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 140. We're recording on Mm -hmm. Thursday, January 14th, 2016. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello, hello. We're back in action. Uh, We are. Guys, Amanda was great last week. You had a a, a rip-roaring show last week.
1: We had a good time. You
0: had some weird stuff, and you dealt with it in kind, it I'd is, say
1: it is gonna be hard to top that weird story about the author catfishing bloggers, but I've got faith in twenty sixteen yeah
0: I, you know there's a lot of time left uh but we're 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 into uh we've got an early leader for Turkey of the year um yes. so anyway we you know we got some follow up there's a bunch of movie and book news this week. I don't know why maybe it's around the Oscars or something, but there's a bunch of stuff coming up bookish t v and stuff um but uh, the first update, so Emma Watson, you guys talked about that she was in, she announced that she was doing her book club last show, mm-hmm. and she picked her first selection, which is Gloria Steinem's My Life on the Road, Gloria Steinem's new book. Um, the There's a group on Goodreads, I can't remember, did you guys mention that they could go, people could go join the group on Goodreads?
1: It didn't exist Oh, it didn't week.
0: exist. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so now you can go find it on Goodreads. So I'll put a link in the show notes to the story about it. Um the other thing I linked to in critical linking this week is someone looked at the the effect of uh of uh the pick on the shelvings basically on goodreads and like spiked to like 8000 shelvings a day. Nice. For my life on the road just a huge, you know, kind of burbling along at 100 200 a day but um very interesting to see how this will go. Um I mean I guess did, did, did I don't remember I don't know if she said how often they're going uh, to bo- – one book a month. Okay. Then discuss each selection at the end of the month. Um, I will post some questions to get things started, but I would love for things to grow into open discussion between you all. Um, are your alarm bells going off anything about that?
1: About her plan? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think Goodreads is a better venue it certainly for this is a better venue, than yeah. Facebook is. Uh, Twitter would probably have been disastrous, just a jillion people following her and trying yeah. to talk to each other, like following that hashtag. If she, she has like 12
0: million Twitter followers yeah, or something That would have been crazy. unruly.
1: So I think this is a better approach to formatting. Um, I'm interested in how much she's really going to participate. Yeah. Is this, um, you know, like she's going to post questions and quotes. Is she also going to write like a one paragraph response to the book? Is she going to jump in and respond to people's comments about it um, i guess nothing. that the moderation
0: is what i'm i mean yeah, there are moderators be... listed under the our shared shelf that's the name of the mm-hmm. the group so she's on there i mean some other people i guess she's it doesn't say how they've been you yeah. know well in and- Goodreads
1: Goodreads is relatively self-policing the community there in terms of at least reporting bad behavior. And then the Goodreads folks are pretty responsive to those kinds of reports. Mm -hmm. So I think we can expect the same kind of shenanigans that you see in other big celebrity book club attempts. Like the Facebook page just got spammed to high heaven by people trying to promote their own books. And I would expect that people will attempt that in Emma Watson's groups. But the Goodreads community is pretty active about reporting spammy Behavior and then Goodreads does crack down on it, so I think we'll see those things and that they'll probably be addressed uh, in a timely fashion. If the, I wonder if um if Goodreads knew this was coming in their direction or if somebody there was able to reach out to her and say let's do it, yeah, um or how that came about. But I'm interested. This is I wish that we could see maybe some sales data, but Steinem's book is so new that it's still in its you know new release yeah. selling arc, and so it'll be I mean books I guess
0: yeah you won't you don't have like a baseline to compare it to right um, yeah and i've
1: got it on audible so i'm gonna listen and then maybe participate or at least follow along on goodreads yeah, 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 and yeah. see how it goes
0: any guess on how many members there are now oh of the i haven't looked i, I just looked um, at it so this is this is a complete i mean this is a very difficult number
1: 20,000.
0: whoa it's a big number that's, that's a big number
1: gonna be well that's they're I mean, not all going to participate in the conversation. But I'm looking. There
0: are 3,300. Okay. Wh- why did you become a feminist is one of the discussion topics. Okay. 331 comments. Okay. Uh, all right. There's a, there's a sub board on just feminism. 98 topics, 1,900. I mean, already right, I mean, again, when something's new. Right. Things are going to interesting to see how it goes along. Um, this
1: has – I think it has real potential to be great for books and great for – Feminism. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, very interesting. I mean, I'd be curious to see. You know, the 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 book selected will tell you something about the shape of her feminism. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and I don't mean that negatively or positively. Like everyone's feminism can is a little different. I think um, in a lot of ways, especially where people are in their understanding, what particular pieces and corners of it they're interested in. Gloria Steinem's book is probably. I think that's a fastball down the middle pick, you know, um, where you go from there. How long will it be before there's a person of color, a woman of color? That's the Mm -hmm. author. How long will there be something about, you know, non-binary gender? You know, like all that sort of... I'm I'm just so super interested to see um, what the shape of it will be.
1: When she was first tweeting about it, um, she was someone suggested bell hooks and she said there will definitely be some bell hooks read mm. in here so it looks like they're gonna hit contemporary feminism and new books like Gloria Steinem but also some of the classic voices of um, feminist writing like bell hooks I would like to see Margot Jefferson's Negro land be mm. selected it's not an explicitly feminist book but there's a lot of great stuff about intersectionality in there um, Amanda and I were wondering about that last week like uh, and hoping for it yeah. that we'll get to see you know a really full and robust discussion of intersectional feminism and all mm-hmm. that that means. I mean, it would be cool if she got some guest moderators in lieu of actually starting the Nicki Minaj Beyonce book club. Um, but that would, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm interested in this. And uh, st- certainly starting with Gloria Steinem is a, that's a solid way to kick it off.
0: I mean, she also, she went to Brown to study English and Brown long has been, oh, uh, yes. for those of you who may not know, a bastion of. You know, super progressive critical theory, and so I. She knows all the things we know. I mean, I. You're not going to. I. In terms of an undergraduate education, at least. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have a PhD in women's studies, it's a different thing. But like, she knows Bell. She knows she's going to know who bell hooks is. She's probably going to know who Julia Kristeva. I mean, she's going to know who Judith Butler is, most mm-hmm. likely. So, um, it's not really a question of. She doesn't. There's not a ceiling on the academic pieces of it and the, the it's just a question of what she's going to choose those things you know what, sure
1: and how do you incorporate that into yeah. a sort of general public facing discussion of feminism right
0: or do you I, I don't know it, it's yeah, very interesting it's, um, it is going to be interesting how is she going to choose things that challenge um or some mix. I I think it's a right. fascinating. Uh,
1: Is Gloria Steinem going to show up on Goodreads and hang out? Yeah, I would be here for that. Very interesting. Um,
0: very interesting. It will. It's
1: going to be really fun to follow. Um, before we go into the rest of our news for the week, we've got to thank our first sponsor. Uh, We've got Jacob's Colors by Lindsay Hodden. It's spelled J-A-K-O-B apostrophe S. This story weaves back and forth in time and in place between World War II Austria, Switzerland, uh, and 1920s England. It tells the interlinked stories of Jacob. He is an eight-year-old gypsy boy, his gypsy father Yavi, and his English mother Lore. Uh, Jacob's Colors is an ambitious and heartbreaking debut. It looks at the persistence of hope amidst the bleakest of backdrops, uh, the war-torn Countries of earliest 20 earliest that's a new one uh, early 20th century Europe as seen through the eyes of a young gypsy boy so um, Austria 1944 Jacob is half Roma half Yenish and he is running for his life uh The Library Journal review of this called it a stirring and finely observed tale that deserves its place alongside other notable Holocaust stories. The book is out now. You can get it wherever books are sold, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Again, it is called Jacob's Colors, J-A-K-O-B, apostrophe S, by Lindsay Hawdon, H-A-W-D-O-N. Thanks to them and to our Books for sponsoring this week.
0: Um, in news, I'm actually surprised took this long to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to bubble up. Um, Amazon this week, the uh, has decided to, uh, kill Shelfari. Um, it's Goodreads, I guess since Amazon now owns both of them, it's, you can't really call it a competitor. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, I
1: it's kind it's, of can't believe that this, I can't believe that it didn't happen way before yeah. Amazon bought Goodreads. And I really can't believe it didn't happen when Amazon bought Goodreads. Right.
0: Um, they have two months to move your data over to Goodreads, so that, that's going on there. I don't, I don't follow the differences in utility enough uh, to, to know other you know, Shelfari features people are going to miss. I would assume if there's anything really great, they could always incorporate it in Goodreads. Um, the article I'm going to put in the show notes where I found out about it at the Reader's Room, um, she mentions that one thing that she's going to miss is she primarily uses Shelfari, though she uses both. Is that since Goodreads had such tight Facebook integration that most of her Goodreads friends were also Facebook friends, Mm. whereas her Shelfari population was, I guess, a little more bookishly curated and specific, um, and that the Shelfari wasn't sort of, I mean, Goodreads is so big; it's almost like the open internet in a way. Like there's just so many people where Shelfari, you you know, you really you had to be like a nerd's nerd um, for book categorizations and stuff to to wander over to Shelfari and really do a comparison. Like the casual. Book user, the the casual book reader who sort of is looking for something, or even you know hits it through signs up through Goodreads, or sees someone else in Goodreads and just signs up. Like it doesn't take much. I don't know. I'm trying to. It doesn't take much nerd power to get into Goodreads or mm-hmm. shelf power. Shelf power really does, and that has its own sort of curating effect. So that's one thing she's she's gonna she's gonna miss. Some um, similar things have been said about library thing, for example. Um, mm-hmm. That is just the, the the nature of the population is different over there. Um, for yeah, a variety be, of reasons.
1: That'll be an interesting thing, and I wonder if we'll even get to know about it, but I wonder how many of the Shelfari members will convert to Goodreads, and um, how many of them will go somewhere like Library thing that is a little bit closer to what Shelfari had been for discussions, and that, that feeling of a walled garden to some extent.
0: Yeah. Um, so, like, it sounds... She's saying that a lot of people are leaving... Shelfari aren't going to go to Goodreads they're going to go to library thing or this other one called Leafmarks which I've never hmm. heard of. You yeah, heard of I this? No, I haven't. Um anyway, and, and maybe that's true. I mean, if you haven't joined Goodreads already, I don't and you're still a power Shelfari user, I would think you'd at least take a look at something that's not good. I mean, you've clearly you would have considered Cl- moving to Goodreads already.
1: Right, you know it's there.
0: Um so, I mean this is this is one of those things that happens, you know, in the four horsemen of the technology apocalypse, Amazon, Google, um, Facebook, and Apple, like, they own multiple kinds of things. And some of those things aren't going to, they're all not going to exist, right? They're all not going to keep going forever in the future. And that's, that's what's going to happen, you know, like, it's hard to imagine that, um, like, for example, if Facebook bought Snapchat, would Snapchat and Instagram stay together? Would they stay independent right. companies? Like, this is just one thing that happens in these platforms. There's going to be some consolidation. Um, so yeah, this anyway, piece,
1: yeah, this piece from the readers' room also reminded me that even when a site feels like it has been dead or dying for a while from the outside, there are often you know passionate groups of users to whom that community. Is yep. really important and will continue to be really important, and that's just interesting to think about from the human side of how technology.
0: People still buy works. vinyl records, right? No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> right. it, I mean, it's fair. I mean, yeah, since she's it, right.
1: Right, it's it, it's interesting, and she says that she knows it might make economic sense to do this, um, but she is very sad to yeah. see this change happen. You know, the skeptical side of me is thinking about how many people said that they were never going to touch Goodreads again once Amazon bought Goodreads, but then how we did not see like a mass migration out of Goodreads or no. any kind of um, collapse. So, uh, I part of me is also like, yeah, you're just going to end up at Goodreads anyway. Um, but it will be interesting to see, and I I guess. We probably won't actually get yeah. to know. Well, and Amazon didn't um, really
0: trouble the waters over at Goodreads that much. I mean, they did some stuff, but yeah. I, haven't really, I haven't, you no, know, I follow Goodreads this relatively closely, but yeah. I haven't seen them do features. It's like, you know, I, I, you know, whatever they they've, might do to make everything a, you know, every yeah, link title to go right to Amazon or a whole bunch of advertising or like you have to use a Kindle. You know, like they've they've been very light, and I think. It's been smart over there. Mm
1: -hmm, I agree. It's been like very gradual integration of Amazon stuff into Goodreads. And they have maintained, you know, links out to non-Amazon sources, which I think has been good. My friends who work at Goodreads, you know, have continued to say that it's been uh, essentially – its own independent operation, mm-hmm. um, which is what they said when the buyout first occurred. So that ha- it has been a light touch. I think that's been smart. Um, Amazon made some mistakes in the past with sort of just taking over things that they had purchased and making big changes to them. And it looks like maybe they learned from that or they at least recognized a good thing in Goodreads and uh, were able to say, you know, maybe we don't need to interfere. You know,
0: that's interesting you say that. I, I was thinking about this when this happened like Amazon's missteps in taking over... I can't think of a... The, the one that hit me the hardest because it was a usability thing was when they bought Comixology and they yeah, took out the mm-hmm, in-app purchase. Right. Like, that's the only one I can point to. But you point out, like, some of, the, some of the Amazon service... Some of the Amazon companies that aren't sort of Amazon branded, I guess I was going right. to say. Like, um, Zappos, the shoe company, mm-hmm. like, they're still largely Zappos. I mean, Michelle, yeah. we, bu- we buy shoes for them, for her and the kids. Um, Audible is an Amazon company. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, it's hard to see that they've done anything to Audible that has really screwed it up. Goodreads, so I don't know. I think Amazon, at least in the in the the corner of the world in which Amazon's make acquisitions that I see. They've actually done a relatively good job. Now, your mileage may vary. You know, they could have bought something else you don't know about. You know, they they'd own IMDb, for example, uh-huh. um, which – did you know they get 250 mil- million uniques a month at IMDb? Sorry, that's a separate issue.
1: I didn't. Th- but that is a huge I – mean, I wonder if that includes app usage. Like, I, I don't know. This is – now we're just into idiosyncratic mm-hmm tech use cases, but I use the IMDb app on my phone all the time when we're yeah. watching something. And I'm like, who, I know that guy from something. Yeah. Who, what else was he in?
0: So IMDb, like that's another one where again, they, they didn't monkey with it. Like they put advertising on it and there are some links to buy on Amazon, but like it's still largely the, yeah, the internet movie database that we yeah, all right. know.
1: It, it didn't change the experience, which was the concern I think people had yeah. really when Amazon bought Goodreads was there's always that initial outcry about Amazon being bad. Right. Um, And then there's the, is my experience of this thing that I really value going to change? And the experience of using Goodreads hasn't changed. And in fact, in the last year or so, they've made some good improvements and site redesigns. And I know that there are some secret new features coming Mm. down the pike over there. Um, So that I think once once the power users were assured that the right. experience was going to continue to be what they wanted the experience to be, you know, everything maintained. Stayed copacetic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't have this segment on the show about Amazon getting rid of Shelfari like
0: two years ago. Uh, or that it just happened, we didn't hear it. I mean, that's kind of what I was right, expecting yeah. to happen. It's like, oh, uh, Shelfari shut down a year ago? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what <laughs> right. I was expecting to hear. Uh, something like that. Uh, here's a story. I, this one, I don't remember. Oh, Vox. This is on Vox. Mm. Um, the UN Library announced its most checked out book of 2015. Um, <laughs> oh, did no. you see this?
1: I did not see it. Oh, this. yeah. I, looked in the I just legal. clicked on it. <laughs> it yeah. Uh,
0: so, the UN, you know, United Nations, oh, in no. case you're wondering what that is, um, they released, and I don't know why they would make this public, especially when you hear what the, the title of the book is. <laughs>
1: just, why would you admit this to the world? I don't know. The I'm most so checked
0: out book in the UN library in 2015 is titled Immunity of Heads of State and State Officials for International Crimes.
1: Good grief. I mean,.
0: That's about as frightening of a book. I guess the other one would be like Torture for Dummies. Like that would be the other right. the, the the other most disturbing book, but uh, boy, this is not this is not, <laughs> it's not reassuring, I guess.
1: It's not a UN document, which I guess is reassuring. Yeah. It's a doctoral thesis um from the University of Lucerne by a person named Ramona Padretti. Uh I wanna know how many times does a thing have to be checked uh, out fair. to be the most checked out. Like I am much less concerned if most checked out means that five people checked this one out. Um, yeah, maybe I would defund be the UN library like if 50. that's the case. But yes, yeah, right. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, 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 why is this in the UN library?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Who's in charge of curation over there? This is. It's. Uh, I have questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So there's an update. Since I read the story, I'm just looking down. It says, according to Nichols' information, that's a UN correspondent who sort of – the UN got some blowback on this, as you might expect. Uh, uh It said the UN Clarifies is the most popular new book. Okay. uh, Acquired in July of 2015, and it was borrowed twice and checked out for browsing four times. Okay. So anyway, uh, it, but hmm. – but so I guess maybe more of a public relations gaffe than a yeah. indication that there's <laughs> like, a, uh, you know, a real but, sort of conspiracy right. about how to get out of doing horrible stuff using the, uh, the like resources of the UN somebody's library.
1: Somebody interested in the answer to that question. Well, uh, I, mean, there...
0: could, I mean, I guess from a legal perspective, it might be interesting because it's about immunity, right? Like what are mm-hmm. – you know, what, what are you really, – what are people – what can you charge people with? Right. What could the UN at the war crimes so, court in the Hague – so – Again. Perhaps
1: we can hope that the people that were checking this out were checking it out as yeah. a, like not for their own nefarious deeds. Right. But it's not how- like an
0: O. J. Simpson <laughs> if I did it sort of right. situation where like they're oh doing my gosh. they're doing research for uh For some sort of future nefarious action. Um, Right.
1: Either way. Yeah, this is definitely a PR gaffe. There's a a person, a man named Hayes Brown responded on Twitter to the UN Library's tweet and just said, guys, why would you brag about this? This is not good. And that's my general feeling is like as a person who has managed social media and like oversees that, I would... I would be instantly texting the person who runs our Twitter being like, why did you share this with the world?
0: Yeah. Though, on the, I mean, on the other hand, like maybe maybe if it had been checked out 5,000 times, like maybe that's something people should know. I mean, well, I think the public service, like, the, you know, like just true. check out what people – the UN delegates are checking out. I, I, frankly, I'm surprised that they would even – that that's in the user agreement to the library that this kind of – even if it's anonymized mm-hmm. browser history, like – I don't know. It seems weird to be like publicizing the 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 checking what out the, records of the UN right. delegation just feel like maybe it, yeah. that should be In pr-
1: private I don't know or like is anonymous trying to hack it so we yeah. can find out <laughs> right
0: yeah super yeah. super interesting um,
1: that is, what a weird story very very
0: I, I, this oddness factor alone I thought was worth talking mm-hmm. about um, all right let's let's turn to uh, let's turn to Hollywood TV corner. corner I guess TV and, and well Hollywood. no yeah
1: Hollywood no you're right because some of it's movieish
0: so let's see how should how should we go through this um, let's take so we have three of them. Why don't you pick? What, let's go from least to most interesting. So of these three, what do you uh, think is the least interesting to you? The
1: Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, I think so the Chronicles of Narnia is getting a
0: reboot. Um, it's a little unclear exactly how it's going to happen. So the the reboot really means that the writers and directors and actors are going to change. Um, it's not clear if they're going to go back to the 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 uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and start over from that way. Um, it, it's, it's yeah, come it clear to me. It looks
1: like it's going to start with the silver chair. Right. Um, uh, which would be the next in the series. Yeah. For, yeah.
0: And I guess but, the thing about the Chronicles of Narnia is you can sort of do them out of order if you want to. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially, my memory is the silver chair is one you could especially do out of order and then come back and do others. So, um, but that's going to be the next one. But you're not going to be seeing the same actors um, playing the roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit fuzzy on two, and some of them they're I'm not interested. as many legacy actors yeah. would be required anyway.
1: And but why? Like, well, like Liam Neeson is an excellent Aslan. Yeah,
0: I, let's just say the problem with the Narnia series on movies was not Liam Neeson as Aslan. Like that, <laughs> that that's not the thing you need to recast. I mean, sure, go Accurate. ahead and do it, whatever. Um, but uh, I get, I mean, franchises make, mo- I mean, I think that's, it's as simple as that, right? Like mm-hmm, franchises right. make and money.
1: This is, to steal one of your phrases, they can keep going back to this well. Yeah. You know, the, the Chronicles of Narnia is just like every half a generation, they can make another version of the Chronicles right. of Narnia and people will keep going to see them.
0: I, I think the problem, they're, they're, the, whoever's going to try making these forever, they're going to run into the same problem, which is people love the line, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. I think that one people love. After that, if you ask people to put them in order, Mm -hmm. just because of the way the books are structured and the timeline, I mean, I think they're interesting, but like... I don't think they have the momentum of uh, uh, other kinds it's, of franchises where right, they're more sequential what, and look like cliffhangers and it's more unusually structured than The Lord of the is. Rings or and Hunger Games like or, or something like it's that.
1: It's a, what, a seven book series? I don't Who even knows? Yeah, there's seven? seven, I
0: think. Yeah. Right. I think
1: there's seven, but right, because of the way that they're structured and that there's not really a thread of continuity with all the characters throughout them the world looks a little different in a bunch of the stories it's not like uh going back to hogwarts every year with the same core set of characters and this world that you become really familiar with and um that's it's hard to keep people plugged in other than the diehards like i don't think they're making new fans of the chronicles of narnia series with these film reboots um maybe they are acquiring new fans for just the lion the witch and the wardrobe every time there's one I of guess, those yeah because i'll go so see about i'll go it.
0: see that one yeah but after that but i don't really care that like, much to be honest st-
1: right stories about people who found their way into harry potter or who found their way into the hunger games or who found their way into divergent by way of the movies abound but i don't think that we're getting the same things no. like i i don't i've haven't been very be like, good i
0: mean there's always that
1: yeah that's that's true um but it's it's really interesting. Maybe there's just somebody sitting in a studio somewhere who's like, I know that the there has to be a way to make this work.
0: Yeah, I mean, because we, we were talking about I don't know. We you and I were talking about I guess with the Hunger Games, like Lionsgate wants to make prequels and all this stuff. And we were just mm-hmm. talking about you know the appetite and the money making cash cows that are these huge franchise, and there's just not that many of them, right? Like uh, in the in the especially the ones that bridge books and TV and movies. You've got. Um, I mean, you've got the king, uh, Harry, um, and then you've got, after that, I mean, Lord of the Rings, and then it's Hunger Games, and then it's Divergent. I mean, it it sort of peters out pretty quick. So I do wonder a little bit if the, the Harry Potter phenomenon has, I don't know, like... Read it, it's, it's an outlier that makes people think there's a category, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. No, I think you're absolutely onto it. There.
0: Um, maybe the hunger games one, but see, it's only three books or, you know, three books and four movies. And mm-hmm. I think, did you, you caught up on star Wars while I was gone? So I we, we did. have to talk. Did you see the new movie? Yeah. Okay, well, let's not talk about that right now, Um, except to look at the structure of what happened with it, which is I think what would need to happen with one of these franchises is kind of what I'm getting to, Mm -hmm. where rather than negotiating for the rights from the book from the C.S. Lewis estate, for example, they basically buy the intellectual property, right? Or do it Lord of the Rings. You buy the existing books, you buy the rights to all the characters and all the everything, they have no more stake in it, and you could make the next movie after, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what's the Return of the King? Yeah. Like you have a new canon, you can like that. What they're doing with Star Wars, right? Like, right. Say,
1: you could have Aragorn and whoever. Yeah, Arwen's right. Daughter, uh, yeah, right. Kid, and Arwen
0: yeah. and you know the the reign of the the uh, the king or something. You know, the reign of the king. Right. right? right? The, That's like, the next one. The,
1: the journey of the little baby Hobbit. Yes,
0: right, or something like you know where you actually can make new stories and do a, a continuing franchise because, again. It all depends if the movies are good and The Force Awakens was at least good enough to sort of say this is a thing that can happen. You can make new stories of these venerable franchises. Um, I don't think rebooting and remaking these things forever is going to work. But I think if someone got their hands on – again, Narnia wouldn't be my choice. Mm -mm. Uh, Harry Potter, Rowling's not giving up anytime soon. I think the one – if you could get – and again, Tolkien's estate is its own cranky Britishness. But – if you could say buy the sort of the whole IP to Lord of the Rings, that one I think would work. You know, yeah. you make it, you make the next movie, and you have a new movie every couple years that are telling stories in middle or the Middle Earth world, and you could really do something. I don't think Narnia is it though, um, and mm-hmm. it's the IP. The IP is you. You cannot create new stories without owning the IP, mm-hmm. really. So yeah, anyway, the, I guess like, I had a yeah, opinion about that. Lord of the Rings that. is
1: an interesting case for it as well because Lord of the Rings falls into some of the same cultural. Criticism categories that Star Wars has traditionally of it's all white. Like yeah. we can we could believe that there were orcs and dwarves and elves, sure. but there were no black dwarves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do something super and, interesting right, with and that. And The Force yeah. Awakens has done uh, a really interesting thing and a really important thing in culture. Of uh, there's been the meme going around of like people say that movies with black stars and <laughs> yeah, female right. stars, you know, don't sell. And it's a photo of Finn and Rey and is like you know highest grossing yeah. box office. Open I mean or, I guess to be fair
0: we could also get into an exception that proves rule thing like Star Wars is its own beast and it's hard to compare it to anything else but it is a funny sort of visual mm-hmm. to sort of have Ray and Finn <laughs> next to it each other. It is an
1: excellent visual yeah. to have. I'm really happy that I finally got on the Star Wars train so that I okay, could so we're be gonna, part of the Maybe Force we'll Awakens. commit
0: to it now but like let's do an after show with you and me and Swapno and Amanda next week. We'll talk <laughs> okay. Force Awakens after the next show. That's how We'll great. figure it I'll out.
1: I'll work on my I've been perfecting my Yoda noise. Oh, okay, one, yeah. I have one Yoda noise. So
0: you, you, you have decades of Star Wars impersonations to catch up on. Well, you're. <laughs> Have to condense it into a week.
1: <laughs> I've also got an Ewok thing, but you have to be able to like see it happen. <laughs>
0: okay, so Snapchat is what you're saying. So
1: that, uh, that might be the thing that the gets me finally gets Snapchat. gets us into
0: Snapchat. Is Rebecca <laughs> Snapchat? Is Rebecca doing Wicked from Ewoks? Um So well, okay, that's a, so from our I guess from our sort of personal interest, the Narnia th- reboot is the least interesting. But mm-hmm. from a sort of complexity situation maybe it's yeah, the it most is, it, interesting it,
1: right it is the next the, the next two are both like key pieces of my childhood <laughs> okay. so you really have to
0: do a sophie's choice situation to see which of these you care the least uh, of these two you ca- ca- care less right. about right
1: okay so the Since we're sticking with least interesting to the most interesting, I'll go this one does follow right in the middle and the Canada's CBC is bringing Anne of Green Gables back they've greenlit a new adaptation um, to debut in 2017 and it will be um, written by Moira Wally Beckett, who was one of the writers of Breaking Bad. Hmm. And all of my bells are ringing because I loved Anne of Green Gables. The um, Anne of Green Gables series from the '80s is one of my very favorite things. I I think I've watched all of those a jillion times. Even though I have to confess that I've only read a few of the books. Hmm. Um, And Moira Wally Beckett was uh, wrote some of my favorite episodes of Breaking Bad. I listen. I like. I I went deep into Breaking Bad when that was happening. (laughs) I I was listening to the Breaking Bad Insiders podcast every week with the writers and directors of the show, and so I've heard her talk about her work and uh, the comment that she makes about what she's going to do with Anne of Green Gables is I'm... just so stoked. Uh, she says Anne's issues are contemporary issues feminism, prejudice, bullying, and a desire to belong. The stakes are high and her emotional journey is tumultuous. I'm thrilled to delve deeply into this resonant story, push the boundaries, and give it new life. Which that just to me solidly answers the question of why would we explore like why do, why do you go back to the well of this like very sweet and very earnest kind of story that could feel old, but I think that uh, if anybody can make it feel new and relevant event. It's more a Wally Beckett. I'm just so excited. Yeah, I
0: mean, well, you're a ginger too, so that's very important to you. It's very important (laughs) to If you were Canadian, you'd be through the roof.
1: Right. If I were a Canadian ginger, I just would not be able to contain. Yeah, all you Canadian
0: gingers out there, just slow your breathing, you know, like get a paper bag. Uh, I guess I... I, Go drink some raspberry cordial. It doesn't say anything about taking it out of the time period of the books. Like, I guess it's still going to be the same time period. Like, it's not going to be modernized or reframed or anything. I feel like it
1: kind of yeah well she's gonna adapt the novels i i feel like you've got to maintain that time period unless you're really doing something totally new but it's hard Have to imagine, fight zombies right or like is like anne of green gables but she moves to the big city like that, it, yeah. that i don't think that Anne
0: of green acres that's a different, <laughs> right, a that's different a diff-
1: thing <laughs> oh, no yeah
0: you don't want that, is what you're saying.
1: Someone is listening who thinks that might be yeah, a good I know. idea. Please yeah, well, don't that's, ever uh, do that. That's
0: trademarked. I have uh, anne of greenacres.net already wrapped up. <laughs> um, Next
1: time we have a Squarespace Yeah, I mean, I guess also
0: it's only been eight, It's a limited miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. The ADIP will be released in right. 2017. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, to see. now we
1: can start wondering about who's going to be cast to play and get all of your ginger yeah. suggestions ready. Um, you know, it's
0: interesting, CBC, like the BBC has had crossover TV hits in America. I, I don't know. Has mm-hmm. there been a CBC series that's been like a thing that's become like an American phenomenon? This is, oh, I'm, I'm being hmm. horribly provincial here, but... You know, I don't know. You know the the Doctor Who stuff and Sherlock, mm-hmm. and uh, right. I'm trying to think what are the other one the the original Office and there's you know there's a bunch of them, but I, I can't think of one, a one that's so I'm wondering if the the CBC is getting in on the like hey public television can do IP um, as well speaking of mm-hmm. and do some branding and uh, yeah
1: it's it'll be fun to watch I don't even know
0: can you watch the CBC I know we have, I have a BBC America station but I don't even know I, if I, will I wanted find to watch a way. To, yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah if they, I mean. I guess if they if they want to make a play this would be a good sort of thin yeah. end of the wedge to like get well, people interested in subscribing or making sure they can get it somewhere. There's
1: this secret underground international gingers organization ah, and yes. we will we will figure it out. Right. Okay, so speaking of famous gingers in literature. Okay, so this
0: is your number 1 of these this, of this triptych my- of uh, adaptation news. This is the one I am like
1: vibrating with excitement. <laughs> oh about really? This. I you know, yeah. I wasn't sure. Okay. I,
0: I mean, I thought you'd be excited, but vibrating is is uh, more than I would have expected.
1: I'm a Twitter. Yes. Um, Okay, Nancy Drew, always described as a redhead in the books, but rarely, for some reason, is Nancy Drew actually a redhead Mm -hmm. on television, which... I am bitter about, but CBS is doing a Nancy Drew reboot and Nancy Drew is not going to be white, which is excellent because this is a beloved iconic character, but there's no reason she has to be white. And it's great that they are going to, you know, be more inclusive with the casting, but also Nancy Drew is going to be in her thirties.
0: I'm so glad you're excited for this.
1: It's. I hope that it's going to be really modern, like Nancy Drew and the case of the douchebag on Tinder, or, you know, like... <laughs> like
0: yeah, I was, yeah, I was a huge Nancy Drew fan as a kid, too. I guess that the thing that attenuates my excitement for is, like, I already... I feel like I got the modernized Nancy Drew, which was Veronica Mars. Like, I, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I feel like we got that. Like, it's not the same character or whatever, but, like, it kind of mm. had the same... You know she's not in her thirties but but she was in high school and then the movie she's in college like it's more modern and she's plucky and what actually she's Veronica Mars is plucky as a disservice um but she's smart and she's cunning and she's crafty and she's sort of dark um so why are you looking so why are you look you just like that it exists or are you actually looking forward to watching it like what what actually Both. gets you interested into you know,
1: okay. I I think it's a really important – so uh, there's a bunch of vectors here that make me super happy. Um, it's a really important thing for a network to go past that, like, well, we're just being faithful to how the character That's was presented yeah. mm-hmm. as an excuse for having an all-white cast. Because if you did just adapt – if you just did a straight adaptation of Nancy Drew, you would have an all-white cast. And you would also have some weird racist overtones because the books came out in the 1930s. Well, you have to – yeah.
0: And it'd be on, like, right, a Disney and, t- Channel. Like adults aren't going right. to watch that. Yeah.
1: If you revisit them, there there are some cringeworthy pieces to to the Nancy, the original Nancy Drew books. And so I understand why they're going back to the well of Nancy Drew because there's so much love and so much nostalgia for her. I think it's a real sign of progress and a real sign of a network recognizing that audiences want inclusive casts. Yeah. Um, and that like oh that white viewers will watch a diverse You know, a non-white person, white viewers will watch a person of color play a character that they have loved. Well, we'll see. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, CBS, you've got me. (laughs) I'm here. here. We don't know... um, who nancy drew is going to be it's not even clear um if they have cast she nancy will not drew. be caucasian the, right the, she the will X not X-Sec be caucasian present. they're open, open to any, any ethnicity, ethnicity. ethnicity. Uh, like america ferrera would be a great nancy uh, drew yeah. yeah that's good um, i'm just having fun writing oh there are plenty new, of actresses
0: like, i don't think that's a problem n- you know the thing right, i was thinking nancy about drew this is canon. um and a friend of mine is working on a different sort of nancy drew project um which i oh. can't say anything about but we were talking about the Nancy Drew as a as a brand. He's like, it's interesting because most people know Nancy Drew, but if we're asked to describe Nancy Drew as a character, mm-hmm. kind of a I guess blank slate might be putting it charitably. Like she she's she's smart, but she's not like say in Hermione Granger. If you look at other right, smart right. literary characters who been adapted, who has like. She's also, you know, Hermione's kind of nerdy, kind of socially awkward, very loyal. Like when I think of Nancy Drew, I think of more the formula of the stories and less about yes. the character. Yeah. So and, that, might be, that might be sort of to their advantage where they can right. flesh it out and be a little bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. They'll be able to play with it more and seeing Nancy Drew as an adult will be really yeah. interesting. Nancy Drew, the teenager, also just like in my memory, bears a lot of those sort of teenage girl yeah. hallmarks. But Nancy, as a 30-year-old NYPD detective like uh, as a an adult woman who lives in the world and presumably is savvy and thoughtful about her experiences like i'm here for whatever snide asides 30 year old nancy drew is going to make about living in new york as a woman in her 30s right um, and working as a an investigator and solving crimes like well i will i'm just going to watch the crap out
0: of it <laughs> yeah i I'm think it's interesting it. i mean um you know, there's a lot to be interested in. I guess just for me, again, be excited. Anyone who wants excited. I, I don't have as much of an emotional tension like, oh, I want to see that particular Nancy Drew story. I'm excited for this thing. Like it's more the – for me, it's almost a straight nostalgia play um, as opposed to like – I guess as opposed to like the Lion the Witch and Wardrobe. Like yeah, I remember it, the moments. And I remember the characters. And-
1: well, yeah. If it were a straight nostalgia play though, they would have – I I think they would have kept with teenage Nancy Drew and what's her boyfriend's name Ned. Yeah,
0: Ned, who's also like, complete. It's like Ken and Barbie in my mind. Right. It's like Ken and Barbie solve crimes. It's kind of what Nancy right. Drew and Ned is,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is just true. not interesting. And, it's just not interesting. Right, and you could set it like you could set it in the past. You could make it yeah. look kind of like Pleasantville right. and put everybody in you know old cars. Like you could tap yeah. the nostalgia angle there, but I think it's really smart but no that one, they did no, I,
0: I guess the way I'm coming out is is I'm super glad it's going to be diverse and I think moving in the 30s, but I'm also saying that they also had to do something because mm. the, the IP as it is like sort of in situ yes, would have right. been just a disaster, I mean a horrible disaster. Agreed. Oh yeah, yeah, right. So yes. like they they have they had some, it didn't cost them anything I guess is what I'm trying to say to uh, to to go a different direction. That's not not saying I'm glad, not saying I'm not glad but just like it'd be different that if they were well, I mean, if someone was going to do a Harry Potter TV show, or, you know, like The Cursed Child, the casting of a black woman as Hermione, like, mm-hmm. it kind of costs you, like, you have to go out on a limb a little bit um, to do that, which, you know, not that we're keeping score, except that I am. Um It's a different situation.
1: Yeah, there's probably an ugly corner of the internet that's filled with people who just can't handle it that Nancy Drew is not going to be white. But so far I have avoided that corner and I'm going to just continue to be excited about them making this change. It might have cost them something, but whatever it is, I think it's worth sacrificing that audience to roll forward and show here's a beloved character that you can make changes to and you can update this idea of the character to be more... Reflective of the time that we live in and the world that we live in, and um, it's I'm I'm just so hopeful. I'll be really. What sad I want is I want
0: you know how there's like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'd like to be there like a a kid detective cinematic universe where there's like crossover <laughs> episodes there's with Encyclopedia like Nancy Brown, Nancy Drew, and Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, and, and the Har- Harriet the Spy, Harry and Matilda's over there, and then you also have uh, you have uh, uh, the Hardy Boys. They make an appearance, like you know, mm-hmm. there's there's
1: oh in the box cartoon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, yeah, an episode of, you could have one that's about the Westing game and the EG, like all the, the just your, your childhood library favorites all exist in the same uh, cinematic and te- television that universe. That should be
1: a thing. If anyone from Netflix is listening, right. please make Like this Jessica thing Jones exist. and
0: Luke Cage and Daredevil, no it's Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew and uh Encyclopedia Brown. Um okay. Well, that's – there's want, a lot to look so forward to, a lot to be interested in in the, in the uh
1: good things happening in in media. Yeah.
0: All right, this is another, speaking of weird stories. This is so weird. Yeah, talk me through this.
1: (laughs) So this is, I don't know, it's weird that the story is just coming out now, but J.K. Rowling's Revenge on Stephen Fry. Um, So we've talked about the Harry Potter audiobooks, and Stephen Fry uh, was one of the narrators for those. He goes up against Jim Dale. Um, Apparently, after he had recorded the first book, um, or when he was in the process of recording the first audiobook, Stephen Fry did not quite realize apparently exactly what a cultural phenomenon the Harry Potter book was or was becoming. And so when he met J.K. Rowling for the first time, all that he really knew was that she was a children's author whose book had sold well enough to merit there being a sequel. And the story goes that when he met her, he said, good for you, kind of Condescendingly, um, And he has cl- he has claimed this himself in his latest comedy show. Um, and apparently Rowling is known to hold a grudge, which I did not know about. But apparently she is known to hold a grudge. And years later, Fry found out that she was getting pretty petty revenge on him um, as as he tells the story. Um, the books, you know, had been selling well, and he had been working on The Prisoner of Azkaban audiobook when he ran into the phrase, Harry pocketed it, uh, in reference to something. Um, but Stephen Fry couldn't say the line, apparently. It always came out as Harry it. <laughs> <laughs> pocketed it.
0: Pocketed <laughs> it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, so I can't even mispronounce it correctly. uh, Right, unless he said it really slowly. And the story that Stephen Fry tells is that he had to take do a bunch of takes to try to get it right. And eventually he called up J.K. Rowling because he was having such trouble with this and asked if he could say, Harry put it in his pocket instead. She thinks for a moment. She says no. She hangs up. And then the phrase, Harry pocketed it, appeared in the next four books. (laughs)
0: crazy what a crazy story because it doesn't like, even sort of feel like good natured ribbing really like but no, it's also not like but a it's beef. not like
1: it's not cruel
0: it's just it's, it's petty it's petty yeah. it's weirdly petty um, <laughs> but I <laughs> but mean, I mean, I I mean in all fairness to Fry like when he's recording the, the book like did I would I have known at the same time like it were they weren't movies yet no. Like they're they're YA, they're not even YA, they're middle grade books at that point. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I've confessed like Harry Potter wasn't even on my like p- personal culture radar until the first movie came out.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember. It might have been the first movie to me or the first, I didn't. I, it was either the movie or the fourth book. I can't remember yeah. where in the timeline uh, it was right yeah. there. But again, both of us were behind the curve. So yeah,
1: I was just I was in college and I just was too cool. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I get you cannot know about something and not being condescending. Like I'm, I'm not saying just oh, right, that. that right. If he was, you know, there's a lot of different ways he could have actually said that. That is like, you know, oh good for you. That's great. Like that's not condescending. Right. Like yes. oh, oh good for you and like pat her on the head sort of mm-hmm. thing. That's a that's a different deal. Um, but we weird, you know. This is one thing I know about people some uh, I don't know if it, in my experience and also some of the reading I've done like people who become like super super successful often are extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. And you know and you can underst- you, you might be able to put the pieces together why wow, you have this weird motivation and you're sort of you're motivated by internal factors rather than ex- external factors which tend to be better for performance, right? Um famously Michael Jordan himself is a horribly petty, petty <laughs> horribly petty man. <laughs> and the slightest of slights. Um, you know, put you in the the uh, the doghouse forever. Um, so I, I never really read Rolling as that, but I'm, I don't know. I I, I I have to say I'm not completely surprised.
1: Maybe don't cross her. Don't
0: don't don't cross her. I I'd, I'd say I'd say you don't want to cross her too.
1: Like, is there going to be a villain in one of her um, yeah. next mystery books that's named after the person who leaked her identity? Oh, Robert, oh. Gal- like. Or maybe oh, a victim. Oh, yeah. It would have oh, to be like oh, does someone name get killed in a really horrible way?
0: <laughs> yeah, or you're one of like <laughs> the unsavory characters, like you're the Dolores Umbridge or something like right, you get some version right. of your name gets put into like the yeah. most hated character.
1: It would be, and it's like, I guess it's not surprising that people who, especially artists who reach these like big levels of fame and recognition, but have some of those stereotypical artist personality traits, like, uh, ultimately, this kind of looks like insecurity too. like, how dare you condescend to me by patting me on the head. But if you really feel like, everything's good, you kind of don't care about one guy condescending yeah, I don't know. to you. Like, this got to her enough that she intentionally wrote it into four Yeah, but books. who Who among
0: us? Who among us, though? Like, if you get condescended to, like, even if you're doing great, like, you remember. You remember that. I mean, I'm not Gandhi. No, we're not Gandhi here. <laughs> um, I guess speaking of audiobooks, uh, mm-hmm. let's do our section sponsor is Audible. You can read now. You can get the Harry Potter audiobooks on Audible. You sure can. Um, they're available recently, newly recently uh, available on Audible as, as Pottermore sort of has released, released uh, or loosened its clutches on the <laughs> Harry Potter IP. Um, you can now get them through Audible. Uh, and you can also get 180,000 other audio programs. From the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. It's a free app, works with iPhones, iPads, whatever phone basically you have that is like a modern phone can play, uh, can get an Audible app. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire on your computer a hundred you know hundreds of other services hundreds of other devices you can use unlike a streaming or rental service this is something that distinguishes it from some of the other places out there you own your book so you can access your book anytime anywhere right from your smartphone or device if you you know you, if you subscribe um, and stop your subscription. You still have access to your books. That's a, that's a question we get a lot of the time. Um, I was on the Dear Book Nerd podcast this well recently. It's going to come out next week, and we talked about audiobooks and getting into audiobooks. And one question someone had is they're worried about getting into audiobooks. So they don't know if they're like narrators. Mm. It is a problem with, uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a different problem than you get with books is that a narrator can make or break a book. You can have a middling book that has a great narrator um, or a book you might really like, but the narrator just something about their voice or pronunciation or performance really gets under your skin. Audiobook, ha- uh, audible.com has this really nice program called The Great Listen Guarantee. If you decide you don't like the, bu- the book you chose, no worries. You can exchange any book you were not happy with for another title anytime. No questions asked. So this is super helpful. I've used it myself. When I usually for me, yeah, I'm not a big DNFer when it comes to print books, but if I get into a narrator that I don't like, that will get me to stop. Um, and I've stopped halfway through, I've stopped almost at the end, and I turned it around and I I submitted a request through audible.com and my account there, and it's available instantly. You don't have to wait, it doesn't go to review, it's available right there. Um, so that's a really nice service because they, I think they recognize that. There's something about the audiobook performance that is more personal, and your own um, aesthetic sensibilities will come much more into play there. Also, it's kind of difficult to know, necessarily, um, if you're going to like the narrator uh, in in two minutes or sort of side on – or I guess – Word unlistened would be the phrase, as <laughs> unelegant as that is. Um, and just for listeners, Audible.com is – just for book, write, podcast listeners, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial membership. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookwrite today to start your free trial. Um, And that lets them know you came from us, so they do sponsorships, but also you can get a free 30-day trial membership, too. I just finished – it's not a new Bill Bryson, but it's newly an audio, Bill Bryson's Mother Tongue, which is Mm -hmm. about sort of the history and idiosyncrasies of the English language. Actually, I felt like I learned more about interesting stuff about other languages in comparison (laughs) to English because, I mean – I'm an academic, so I know a lot about English. I mean, there's, of course, some interesting things. Here's the most mind-blowing fact from Mother Tongue by Bill Bryson, which if you're a Bill Bryson fan, you like Mother Tongue. Um, China, Chinese, right, as you know, is, is in characters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's no alphabets. You know, so there's no alphabetization, which think about that for a minute. So okay. they don't have a way of organizing things. Just think of all the things you use alphabetization for. Mm-hmm. And now get rid of it. Like they there's what do they do instead? They, they don't like their dictionaries are like arranged loosely by themes. Ah. So if you're looking up something,
1: it's a you disaster. Like for,
0: well, I mean, no, it would
1: be a disaster if you're coming from knowing alphabetization. Oh, uh, no. I
0: mean, Bryson. Now again, I don't know, but Bryson says it's sort of a disaster. Uh, like in okay. bu- in bureaucracies where you have a secretary in charge of the filing mm-hmm. system, if they like right. suddenly die,
1: you're no. screwed.
0: <laughs> Because there's no sort of generally acceptable way to, to, to organize organize. things within categories. Like you could see a cabinet labeled like, you know, purchasing orders, right? right. And maybe it might be chronological, but if there's other kinds of information, like how do you organize your Rolodex, for example?
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Anyway, so that's. I'm reading. Go ahead. I'm
1: reading his new book right now. Oh, you are. What's that?
0: What's that? What that one's called?
1: It's called The Road to Little Dribbling, yes. and it's um, a, it's like the 20-year follow-up from Notes from a Small Island um, about his life in England. But all the most interesting things that I'm learning are things that are not about England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like a Bill Bright. The tangents are better the tangents are than better. the subject.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I am in the middle of listening. I'm back on audiobooks lately and I'm about halfway through, um, the memoir by Holly Madison, who was one of Hugh ah. Hefner's girlfriends called Down the Rabbit Hole about how she became one of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends and her, I think she lived in the Playboy mansion for like six or seven years and I'm about halfway through yeah. that right now um how that came to be what it was really like the huge difference between uh the reality and what it looks like on TV how controlling he is mm. all kinds of things um and it's there's some pretty juicy stuff um a, a bunch of our book riot contributors listened to it or read it when it first came out and one of them called it one of the angriest revenge memoirs oh, she had sick ever read burn. I'm, yeah i'm just getting to like the juicy revenge revelations and um i've also gotten hints that Holly Madison, that part of her leaving the Playboy Mansion and then then part of what she has been thinking about in the time since she left has to do with having essentially a personal feminist awakening. Uh, so I'm like ready. I'm waiting to get to stay that woke, part. Um, she, yeah, <laughs> Stay woke, Holly Madison. But it's, she, yeah. Stay woke, Holly Madison. But she narrates the book and has been a, a pleasure to spend time with in the car and at the gym and just, you know, I, I'm kind of like, oh, tell me more. Do
0: you see <laughs> a story about you can buy the Playboy Mansion, but But you have to let Hefner live in it till he dies?
1: Yeah, so actually (laughs) I just talked about this audiobook on a Book Rages recording we did last night. But yeah, the Playboy mansion is owned. I learned this in the audiobook. It's owned by Playboy Mm -hmm. Enterprises, not by Hef Mm -hmm. himself, and he pays rent on to, I guess Hefner, as an individual, pays rent to Playboy Enterprises for the master suite that he occupies, and then for any of the bedrooms that are occupied by a girlfriend. And it's like twelve thousand dollars a month for one crazy. of those bedrooms. So weird. Isn't it crazy? It's so
0: weird. Like it's two hundred million dollars to buy it. You have to. I guess you have to let him rent it from you. I guess that's the mm-hmm. deal, rather than let him live there rent free. Yeah, rent-free. or like
1: yeah, you have to let him keep renting his room.
0: Michelle was reading a story about. It. She said when it when he bought it, it was the largest real estate deal in the history of L.A. Private real estate wow. deal. Wow. And it has 20 acres. Mm. And in L.A., that is insane. I mean, that's, that's a lot. insane. Mm. 28 bedrooms. I mean, you get the grotto, of course. I wonder if you could just buy that. Can you buy it a la carte? Can you
1: just buy the just, grotto? Just
0: buy the grotto. Um <laughs> and- yeah. Anyway, so Crazy. Boy, anyway, how, oh, we're talking about audiobooks. Okay. You could go
1: down this rabbit hole and many others. <laughs> it
0: literally is a well bunny hole, trial. I guess. More, yeah. T- technically. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do. Cut. We got. Let's pick up. What are these sort of uh, potpourri stories you want to do? Let's do one or two of them here because we're running oh, out of time. Let's
1: see. Mm, Brazil. Brazil. Brazil is giving out books that double as subway tickets. Yeah, super awesome. For a one two punch of promoting literacy and their public transit system.
0: Um, Let's see. So, what is it? You. So, what do you do here? Um, Let's see. It's. There are these little ticket books. um, And I get. They each one of them has like there's a Sherlock Holmes one. Mm -hmm. It looks like. There's a
1: Hamlet. Yeah.
0: And if you have the book, you can use it. uh,
1: okay so each book has 10 free trips
0: yeah and they gave and away 10,000 of them for free
1: and then you can recharge the trip things in the books or use the books again and pass them on to others to encourage more reading and this is important because Brazilians on average only read 2 books per year huh.
0: interesting did we do the math when we we've talked about like average reading per year did we do the math like of if you took if you averaged out the reading from those stories
1: oh no, because I,
0: I was going to say, wait, two—is that more or less? I'm like, uh, I felt like Americans read more, but I don't know if the math actually asked me, I'll, I'll yeah, You know what? I'll do some follow up next week. I'll try to, I'll try to yeah. uh, figure something else out.
1: Jeff, you're going to have to make a spreadsheet. Oh,
0: that's terrible. Why would I ever want to make a spreadsheet? <laughs> um, the the maps the, they're very cool looking little maps. Each one of them are like mm-hmm. has a icon from the book, but. In the shape, kind of looks like a subway map with the subway lines. Art of War, The Great Gatsby, Hamlet, Murder Alley, Hundred Love Sonnets by Neruda. That's amazing how many of them are uh, European and American. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about the Brazilian literary tradition. I, I don't know that I could name a Brazilian author for you if I if I had to. Um, anyway, yeah, it's cool. Like the literacy public transit situation. I, I wonder. I mean, better not doing it. I just wonder, it's like, do people? Is someone going to pick up uh, one of these and read? I don't know Hamlet, and they're going to mm. become a book. I guess that's. I guess it's the imagined. Yeah, use. it's
1: it's an interesting selection of titles from that angle. Like. In comparison to what World Book Night yes. used to do, where they would select titles that were intended to be very appealing to people who weren't reading much for a variety of reasons—maybe right. they didn't have access to um, books, maybe they didn't have you know full literacy or a lot of experience reading—and so World Book Night would pick a variety of titles that were supposed to be like pretty low barriers mm-hmm. to entry to them. Hamlet is not that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. Hamlet in Portuguese, I have no idea, but I'm guessing it's a little rough. Um, And
1: like, if you're really reading two books a year, is Hamlet going to I just don't think. Uh, hey, yeah, it's I don't going know. I don't your, know. It, it, it's sponsored drug. by the
0: publisher L and PM, so this could be titles they have the Brazilian rights to. You know, mm-hmm. it could be something of that nature. They're trying to do audience development for themselves. Like, it's not a public program. Like, clearly, it's a partnership with the the Sao sure. um, Paulo's mass transit. Um, but an interesting. You know, this is something we're seeing. I don't know. I don't. Is this a trend? Is this something that always happened? We're just now noticing of like these combinations of mass transit and reading things, right? Because we saw mm-hmm. this. Was it Romania? That had the, if you if if you read if you brought a book on the bus you got on for free. I think there was a couple other ones like this we've seen recently. Um, Super interesting.
1: If they've been going on, we're hearing more about them because the magic of the internet. Because the magic of the internet, Um,
0: yeah, that's right.
1: So speaking of the magic of the internet, here's our other potpourri story. Um, We've seen a few services like this in the past, but there's a new service out called Parrot Reads, Parrot Like the Bird, and it scans your Twitter feed for book recommendations. Mm. Pretty straightforward. You authorize your Twitter account through it, and then if someone that you follow on Twitter posts about a book, Parrot Read snatches that up, and it sends you a weekly recommendations newsletter. Uh, so it's probably like it's not going to snatch up just like random people tweeting about right. books. And it's not going to guess anything about your reading taste. There's no fancy algorithm here. It's just really straightforward. But if you're following a bunch of book nerds, like if you are listening to the Book Riot podcast and you're following us on Twitter and you're following a bunch of the contributors on Twitter, you're probably just missing things because nobody sees everything. Yeah, you could you could try this and Parrot Reads will send you a weekly email with all the tweets in which people you follow recommended book types. Titles, so and you could at least I guess go from there. What it
0: does is it must have some natural language processing or maybe just an index where it has the mm-hmm. list of every known book title and if someone mat- writes something that matches one of those, it pulls it out as a book title? Like how does it know?
1: Yeah, I don't know how it knows. Like if I say, may- you know, I'm
0: I'm I'm headed back out on the road, mm-hmm. is it gonna say Jeff mentioned on the road by Jack Kerouac? Oh Do you see what I'm getting at? Like I don't know. That's yeah. weird.
1: Maybe it recognizes the construction of like words, words, and then by <laughs> name or something. Yeah. Um,
0: well, that's why I mean. I wonder some, why it has, to, it has to be natural language right. process or it's yeah. doing some sort yeah. of AI, where it's like, oh, that's the phrase on the road used, you know, as right. a prepositional phrase rather than as a book or maybe,
1: title. It, or maybe there's some magic to like it recognizes the phrase on the road plus some other signal word like book, book or, or reading or, read, or reading. finished or something yeah. like
0: that. Yeah, or Kerouac. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, so this is if you just don't keep up with your Twitter feed, I guess?
1: Yeah. Or, or even if you just think maybe you're missing some things yeah. in your Twitter feed or it's, it sits there in your email. So if you forgot to favorite something or mm-hmm. if it got lost, like something that you saw that reminded you of a book you wanted to read, um, but you, it's just another way to keep track. It is interesting I guess.
0: because um in, in the reading lives interviews I've done, when usually towards the end of the episode, I ask them like where they get recommendations now. And like Twitter comes up so often, like mm-hmm. much more than any other social network, Facebook, you know, Instagram, whatever. Um, and which is interesting for a couple of reasons. One is that Twitter is sort of now is, it's kind of, it, it started, it, it's get talked about sort of like an also ran, you know, it's not doing as well as Facebook, it's user mm. growth is down, but for whatever reason, when it comes to book recommendations, that's where it is. I, and I think it's because with Twitter, we, we more often curate our, the people we follow around a particular interest Rather Mm -hmm. than our, you know, our more personal social network, you know, people we know, like you follow people on Twitter, you can follow a lot of people on Twitter, you don't know all across the world. So if you're a reader, and you're looking for book recommendations, you can create a Twitter feed that gives the, you know, that will give them to you, which is interesting. Yeah,
1: I'm kind of. Terrified to try this for how many books <laughs> would show up? In yeah, the I don't beginning. know. Like almost, that you need like,
0: like a, you need a subroutine. Like once you've right, done that, can I you do some clustering or some like? Right.
1: I don't need to be reminded of how many things I haven't read. Yeah, yet. right, right, um, right, right, right. Speaking of where you get book recommendations, oh, before we yes. end the show, I just want to note that since I'm doing the All the Books podcast every week about new releases, and some of you guys have said you, you're listening to that show too, and there's been some overlap between the new book segment on this show and that show, we're not going to do new releases at the end of the book riot podcasts anymore i cannot read fast enough to have different titles for this show (laughs) and that show um so if you want to hear about the week's hottest new books book releases you can tune in to all the books on tuesday i get to co-host it with the lovely and amazing liberty hardy who reads more than any human i have ever met uh, and is really just an amazing reader and a great advocate for books and reading um she has awesome recommendations and then i get to be the straight man on that show
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: it's only a half hour. You get eight to 10 recommendations in that half hour every week. Um, And we would love to have you over there. And every week now, um, Amanda, who you know from this show, is is, uh, co-hosting the Get Booked podcast, which is customized book recommendations about specific topics that readers and listeners write in on. So lots of sources to get your new book uh, ideas and recommendations and personal stuff. So tune into all the books and Get Booked. And uh, we'll just End our show with a normal ending. Yeah, well, from we just now do more on, hits. Now. We play
0: the hits. Yeah, just yeah. do More news, weird news stories. They do, do more Woken, woke Holly Madison, and uh, <laughs> UN torture manuals. So you so know what people—that's what people tune in for, right? <laughs> That's what, they, yeah. that's what they listen to this show for. <laughs> uh, as always, you can find show notes for this and back episodes of the podcast at bookwrite.com slash podcast. Uh, let's see. You can email us at podcast at bookwrite.com. If you wanted to follow either one of us personally on Twitter, you could do so. I'm at the Jeff O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L, and she's at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. I just wrote a check during the show that we're going to have to cash – but if you want to be caught up, and, and, you, and if you're one of the few people who hasn't seen Star Wars The Force Awakens yet, and you'd like, um, you know, you want to be caught up, we'll do an after show after next week's episode. So we'll do the sign out, we'll do the, we'll do the music, and then um, afterwards. And it'll be spoiler filled because why else would we do because it? Because obviously. Yeah, we, had good, we had good feedback for our Mad Men show. When we did the Mad Men so after fun. show, it was fun. And I
1: just need you to watch Breaking Bad so that we can do a Breaking Bad think I think, show. I think
0: that's, not, that's what we call striking while the iron is hot, is to, to do that now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, we don't get too many of these big cultural moment things. It's fun to talk about on the show as well. And I know Swipna and Amanda have feels. Swipna has, has feels about Star Wars that may never end. She's like a supernova of feels that's just never going to burn out. <laughs>
1: That's very true. Uh, It's really wonderful and exciting. And, you know, we did also, I think, before the holidays, hint that we might do like a bonus episode of stuff that's not books that we're into. Oh, yeah. So we should talk about that as well. We'll do that. Yeah.
0: We need, we'll have to prepare for that because that's, there's so much. I mean, there's just so much. There is. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're all having a happy new year. And we'll be back next week.
1: Have a good one.